revolution starting inside An instrumental part of Agora Worldwide Agora Worldwide, Agora Worldwide Counter economics, agorist strip Black market click, move a quick flip Can't regulate this, agorist strip Black market click, move a quick flip Can't regulate this, agorist Nexus podcast on Brandon. I've got my great co-host Dag. How you doing, Dag? I'm doing great, man. How's it going? Excellent, bro. We've got a very special guest. Always one of my favorites. I'm definitely a fan of his. So, um, but before we get into it, shout out to our sponsor, PreSearch, decentralized search engine. Don't get spied on. Earn Crypto. They've got Dark Mode, which um, which I don't believe Google has. So they've actually got something that Google doesn't. Super no brainer. So. Um, Shout out free crypto. Yeah. And if you guys want to help us out, hit the affiliate links. Um, it will, uh, it, you know, it's help pre-search that we're worth sponsoring again when we um, when we go to renew. That would be uh, greatly appreciated if you didn't already have pre-search there. But um, with all that said, we've got the humble George Donnelly on today. Just love his stuff. I actually um, watch his channel. It's called... Um, Bitcoin cash site. And um, he does a lot of great stuff. He's got uh, pan money. Just a great guy. So how you doing, George? Doing great. Yeah. Thanks for having me on, guys. Always a pleasure. Agris Nexus for the win. Thank you. Welcome. <laughs> thanks, man. Yeah, it's so good to have you on. Um, what's the is now, you know, I first want to talk about Colombia is is, is Colombia kind of on because I, I hear two different things from from Colombians. I, I've got a couple of different friends. And um, one says that Col- Colombia is kind of slowly turning into Venezuela. And then another one says that Colombia Colombia will never be like Venezuela. So I'm, I'm not really sure who to believe or, or whatnot. But uh, but uh, we share. Me neither. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I guess you don't have your crystal ball, right? Thing is, both sides are very strong. You know, like the the right has um, has momentum and and you know the power of the nation state, the federal government on its side, and you know Colombia is is extremely centralized. You know, so the federal government can remove mayors and governors and stuff if it wants. Um, but the left is growing. Um, and you know, it's amazing to me. And, and there are millions of Venezuelans here who quite frankly, don't understand what happened to their country. You know, I'm like talking to them, you know, like, damn, what a, what a mess socialism made. And they're like, what? No, it's, it's the sanctions. (laughs) It's the, it's the, some, you know, some obscure thing, you know, uh, that they, they come up with, but they don't get that it's socialism. Um, and a lot of them are citizens of both countries, you know, so they can vote. Um, and there is a, a politician called uh, his name's Petro. And uh, he was a former uh, guerrilla M19 guerrilla, um, you know, in the, the, the kind of civilish war, you know, of the late 20th century here. And thing, you know, things it's, it's hard to know. You know, I think the youth are, are with the left. And, you know, I think the, the current government, basically, there's a lackey uh, in the presidency and he's been utterly, utterly stupid in, in the severity of the lockdowns and the other measures. 
you know, like he's he's caused so many bankruptcies of small merchants. Um, so, you know, I feel like there is a chance that Colombia could become like Venezuela and that, that would be a terrible tragedy. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, uh, unfortunately, it feels like the whole world's kind of headed there um, in some in some degree or another, right? You, it feels like what you said? Uh, it feels like uh, the whole world is kind of headed towards that direction. Oh, yeah. Damn, one way or man. another, right? What happened to the world? Like, there is all this repression. There is all this, you know, abrogation of rights, suspension of free speech. Uh, you know, we're, we're like, uh, I mean, I think, I don't know, I haven't been following the U.S. closely, but they're still like, we're not allowed to go out on weekends here in Colombia. You know, I know people who were uh, good people, good libertarian people who were building a community in Chile, in southern Chile, which used to be a very, an extremely free, free country. And then like authoritarian leftists have just made a mess out of Chile. And, they, you know, they're leaving now. They're leaving Chile. Um and, you know, things are going nuts. And I think that, you know, we're probably going to be in for several years of crisis. And I also think it's it's a key opportunity for, you know, people like us to bring out the whole libertarian agorist market anarchist vision, um, because, you know, once once. Once we get past this, you know, this is the time, really, the time, you know, when when the mo when when, you know, the moment it, when things are dark, like we, that's the time to turn on the light. And, you know, I just feel like we have to promote things, you know, different tools like Bitcoin Cash, like uh, Signal, like we, we need cell phones that are not that can't be like remotely controlled by nation state authorities, you know. We need independent like mesh networks um, and we need like the lessons of the market for liberty, you know, that book um, and whatnot, and because this is that we're going to I think we're going to have a few years of serious crisis. But once we get beyond that, we're going to be able to do some new things. Um, yeah, we're so I've heard like a lot of people use the term like everything shortage for like what we're going to have here, like, like coming up after, you know, basically the world was shut down for a year and mm. we're definitely starting to feel some of the effects of that, both with just products we're having a hard time getting and, you know, prices, especially like building materials are going up quite a bit. Um, I'm curious if you guys in, you know, smaller countries are feeling that yet, or, I mean, I'd expect that it'd be worse for, for smaller countries, but, but, but I don't know. Do you have any insight on that? I don't know. I haven't noticed it yet here. I mean, there has there. I think there overall there has been a general price increase. You know, like when I buy groceries and whatnot, that's mm -hmm. those prices have notice, noticeably gone up. But as far as like building materials and other things, like I don't have a good hold on it because also, I don't think like Colombia and and other developing world countries like they don't have good statistics on it. You know, they like they don't have the like you can you can. There are people in the U.S. Uh, the, the financial system is so well developed that you know they they like track the price of a Big Mac, <laughs> you right. know. Um, but it, it's things are quite different in the developing world, also because like the you know just as one example, like the penetration of McDonald's is not not as big, uh, you know, and so every, everything is more fragmented here. Yeah, pro probably much different in a lot of ways. Probably different like supply supply chains and everything. Then, yeah. um, 
than we have. So like on the one hand, like I feel like, oh, like smaller countries might be hit harder. But then on the other, I'm almost like, well, maybe in a lot of instances, they won't be as uh, as impacted by by, you know, the, the, the shutdowns over the last year. So, you know, it's probably just very unique depending on where you're at. Yeah, I think one thing that, for you know, for some of these, like, for example, Colombia, um, like the farms, um, you know, like they, I think a lot of the food supply comes from within the country. And so, you know, that may not have so many inputs that are like in U.S. dollar denominated. Here, they have inflated uh, the money supply. You know, they have really damaged the economy. Um, but I don't think as much as, for example, that they have increased the money supply in the United States. Although the peso, the Colombian peso, for example, is getting weaker against the U.S. dollar right now. Wow. Yeah. It, uh, it's it's kind of crazy because you'll, you'll see... I think it's mostly just market manipulation, um, especially since the U.S. has a almost a monopoly on uh, because its currency is a reserve currency. So it's it's kind of crazy to see that the U.S. printing so much more. I think especially in uh, 2020 and 2021, printing so much more than um, all these other countries, but yet they're uh, they're their currency isn't dropping as much as, um, as some of these other ones. So that's really interesting to see. Um, what I thought was super interesting and I, I tweeted out, I tweeted this out like a couple of weeks ago. I said, um, shout out to all those, uh, Venezuelans who, who are, uh, smuggling gasoline to Colombia, which I thought was awesome. But, um, I guess just recently, that just changed like the gas price was Venezuela's gas price was the lowest in the world. And, and now it's, um, now it's the highest. Uh, I'm, I'm curious to know if, if, if you know, um, if you know, like how that's possible. I mean, I guess Venezuela is the, the biggest importer uh, or the, um, the biggest producer in, in the world or one of them. And I guess to refine it, they have to export it. And then, um, then, then import it back. I guess that's why that, I guess that's one of the reasons why, but, um, do you have any insight on that being down in that area? Yeah. Yeah. So before, um, you know, not too long ago, 20, 30, 40 years, uh, you know, Venezuela was like the third richest country in, in either Latin America as a whole or the Americas, you know, as a whole. Um, but with this whole uh, Chavez and Maduro, the whole socialist uh, takeover of Venezuela, um, you know, those the, the, those whole oil production, you know, in Venezuela is a major has major, major oil reserves, maybe like the biggest. And they were a huge uh, oil producer. <clears throat> but the thing is, those oil fields were run by multinationals, you know, the big names like Exxon and whatnot. And, um, you know, one thing that, you know, socialists are noted for is expropriation, right? So they're like, oh, that's our oil field now and get out of here, you know, oil companies. And I'm no, I'm no big fan. I'm no fan at all of multinational oil companies. Um, there's a really good um, uh, history of them called The Prize, um, which, you know, tells the whole, uh, a, big, a big part of the story behind them. Um, but, you know, once they kicked them out, they didn't have the expertise to maintain, 
all of that. So basically, for a couple decades now, the oil producing capability, uh, you know, all the installations have been degrading, um, and they, you know, the the the, the qualified people. Uh, who could have continued were, you know, uh, purged, you know, for political reasons, or they left the country, or whatever happened to them. So, um, so basically, Venezuela has all that oil, but they, they don't really have a way to get it out of the ground or refine it. And in fact, um, there are places like near Maracaibo, where um, they have, they're just you know, about, you know, one thing that usually comes out of the ground with uh, crude oil is the um, is natural gas. And so that natural gas, you know, in, in some places they'll flare it or they'll capture it. But, you know, there they just have a running into the air. Uh, you know, there there's you, a huge area where people can't go into it um, because um, there's just too high a concentration of natural gas. You know, you, you'll die. There's not enough air to breathe there, not enough oxygen. And so, um, you know, last time I looked in on what was happening there was that, you know, basically they had run out of money. They were getting the Maduro government. They were getting their gold reserves back and they were selling gold. Right. And so I'm guessing uh, that they're probably importing all of their gasoline now. Um, and so they have, you know, they want to take their taxes on top of that. That's an income source for them, you know, because basically the Venezuelan government is, you know, holding that nation hostage um, and taking advantage of that nation any way they can, you know, when they get a chance, you know, if they think they can, you know, exit scam their way out of there, I'm sure they will. And I'm sure they'll take lots of money with them. Um, but, I, you know, I believe that's that's the dynamic behind those high prices. Yeah, that, that's interesting. And we really appreciate your insight on that. Um, with, uh, I mean, I, I think we were saying something before the show that, um, that needs to be repeated. And, and that is that, uh, that a, a lot of these other, a lot of people in the crypto space don't really understand or even want to get into the political aspect of, of crypto. Um, they just like want to make, you know, maybe they just want to make a quick buck or, um, maybe they like crypto, but they don't really, I don't want to say like, what am I trying to say? Like they don't. And I, I feel like, I feel like you have to get political to, uh, crypto in and of itself is, is a political thing. Right. And, um, I yeah. feel like you have to, to get the political aspect of it. What, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's a BTC coin uh, talking point, you know, like, oh, we don't want to get into politics. You know, this is, this is about business and, you know, getting institutional adoption and we don't want to upset the bureaucrats at the SEC and, and whatnot. Um, but, yeah, I agree with you. The bottom line is Bitcoin, you know, and I'm talking about Bitcoin uh, is in the white paper. I'm not talking about BTC coin. You know, I'm talking about Bitcoin Cash. Um, yeah, not talking it, about Cripple Coin. Yeah, is <laughs> an inherently revolutionary um, tool uh, of money, right? So, like, if somebody says, "Oh no, this is just a better store of value," you know, this is just magically it'll store your value for you, and you know, Fidelity and Bear Stearns and uh, 
you know, SEC, you guys should should adopt this. Um, that that is that is so misguided, right? That is so that's just off the wall because the fact is that Bitcoin puts custody into the hands of each person. It puts each of us in charge of our own money. Uh, unlike the banking or you know Federal Reserve uh, paradigm where it always involves custody. You know, somebody, somebody's holding my bank account for me, you know, Bank of America and, you know, a court order comes, bam, you're, they take, you know, $10,000, you know, or they, um, you know, they garnish your, your account for something or or they, they just seize it outright, you know? And so you always have to be trusting third parties and that's, that's not Bitcoin, you know, Bitcoin should not require something custodial the way that, you know, Liquid and, and Lightning Network have become. And, you know, um, so this, um, let's see, well, if you don't, yeah, if you don't recognize this, this revolutionary nature, then, um, then you're not going to understand the value proposition of Bitcoin Cash because, you know, like people who are like, well, I just like convenience, you know, I don't care that the Federal Reserve inflates my value away. I don't care that, you know, about uh, credit card fees. You know, I don't care that the bank charges me fees or, or could garnish my fees or whatnot. You know, I just want convenience because I trust all these authorities. But if you're the person who says, you know what? I've been paying close attention. I don't trust the damn banks. I don't trust the damn Federal Reserve. They've eaten away 96% of my purchasing power since 1913. Tired of that crap. I want to self-custody my own money. I want to see an emission schedule that is predictable and transparent and determined by math algorithms, not by the whims of political elections and processes and, you know, uh, you know, little, little men in, in back rooms in the federal reserve, then, you know, then you understand what the real value behind uh, Bitcoin is. Because if you, if you, if you trust those authorities, then you can, you, you, you know, we can use a MySQL database to keep track of who has which balance um, because you trust but if you don't trust, then you need Bitcoin because there is no central authority. Yeah, so so beautifully put, as always, from from George Donnelly. Uh, what now? I, I think Satoshi said that um, that if a third party is required, then then Bitcoin loses its um, loses its sole purpose or. I forget his exact saying, but uh, but he definitely says something like that. I don't know if you remember his exact saying in the white paper offhand, but um, he says no. something along yeah, those lines. Yeah, yeah. He says if the third party is required, then it um, ceases to be ceases the purpose of Bitcoin or something something like that. But um, yeah. don't quote me on you know, that. It's but. it's a uh, it's funny like. You know, like when I'll, I'll meet people or talk to people who are getting into crypto, you know, and I'm always excited for that. And I'm always glad. But yeah, the majority of the time when I talk to them about it, it's an investment thing or it's a, hey, I got a buddy who's getting rich on Doge, you know, and 
you know, I try and use it as an opportunity to sort of like, oh, well, there's this other reason why this riot's really amazing too. You know, and I point out the fact that, hey, your crypto, you know, your crypto value is going up every day and your the value of the money in your wallet isn't, you know, and I try to get that across, you know, but, but yeah, it is kind of disappointing, you know, uh, that even people who are getting into crypto just don't get that aspect of it. They really don't get what it is about it that makes it so incredible. It makes it so, uh, I, I hate using this term, but revolutionary, but I mean, it really is, you know, and it's, I don't know, but I don't really know where to go, go from there with people, you know, because I don't know oh, here, you know, read these books because, you know, they're not going to do that, <laughs> you know, but I don't know. On the other hand, I am just glad to see people using it, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think probably, you know, you know, 10 years back, we probably should have seen this coming, you know, because it's the same thing like with the Libertarian Party, right? Because you start the Libertarian Party and, you know, you enshrine the non-aggression principle, you know, in the uh, platform. And then, you know, you onboard a bunch of people and they're like, oh, cool. Third party. What's this all about? You know, and then they don't get it. They don't get it. So they mess it up. You know, they, they make a mess, yeah. you know, and it's the same thing, you know, like the the uh, you know, they're they're libertarian talking points and they're very compelling. You know, I think Sal Mayweather is like the king of libertarian or at least agorist, you know, libertarian talking points. And they they catch on, you know, and they sound good. And so what happens? The Republicans grab those talking points and they use them as cover to do what they were going to do anyway. Right. Um, and so it's so complex because it's also a, it's the basic problem of the evolution of civilization also, because it's all about basic education and, and, and being rational, logical, you know, um, and not, not expecting to get something for free, <laughs> you know, yeah. which is what humanity has been fighting against, you know, uh, for, since forever, since forever, you know, um, it, you know, it's just like, we're not as, you know, as a, as a, as a, the educational and intellectual status of the human race is just not as far ahead as we would like. And it's really, it's really a shame. <laughs> it's holding us back. Hey guys, quick pause here to tell you about our sponsor, Devault Cryptocurrency. Ticker symbol DVT is a low cap coin with a market cap around 900,000. So there could be room for opportunity here. Not financial advice, but we really like this project. Yeah, the Devault Core Wallet is one of the best I've ever seen. Um, very user-friendly, super easy to use with cold staking rewards, so it's like getting interest. Um, they're working on privacy with Terraform, also uh, DeFi to decentralize and replace financial institutions. So go ahead and check them out over at devault.cc and get you a Devault Core Wallet today. Also, be sure to check out the show notes to find exchanges that they are traded on. With that said, let's get back to the show. What kind of, um, I mean, yeah, it's, it, it's extremely difficult because I feel like, um, everyone's been, been brainwashed, but, uh, and I, I kind of want to move to, um, to, uh, to uh, like Bitcoin cash adoption and, um, and, and the upgrade coming up the 15th, um, what can you can you explain to people what the uh, what the Bitcoin Cash what what they're doing with the upgrade? 
Yeah, sure. So, um, so the, the biggest thing, so basically this is, you know, before every six months, there was a fairly uh, major uh, network upgrade or hard fork um, in uh, Bitcoin Cash. And that was because it was managed by a guy named Amori Seche, who is one who's probably the key person, the most key person who um, made the Bitcoin Cash fork happen. He ran the ABC team. Now, last time in November, they forked off and created their own coin. It was a bit of a mess. But so now Bitcoin Cash is kind of under new management. Um, and so what everybody's trying to do is kind of de-emphasize this, uh, these six-month um, uh, network upgrades and also to make them annual instead. So now there's a whole process where people can submit, um, you know, ideas for improving things. They're called chips, cash improvement proposals. Um, and, you know, you can check them out and, you know, make your own um, participate in the conversation at bitcoincashresearch.org. But so basically this, this is a pretty low key one. And uh, the number one thing is that it, it removes the limit on chained transactions. So, you know, inside your uh, Bitcoin cash wallet, you know, you like, you just think of it maybe as a wallet, but you know, and it's got a balance, but inside that wallet, you actually have many addresses, many public keys, you know, there could be hundreds and each address or public key or, you know, otherwise known as a UTXO could have its own balance, you know? So maybe, maybe your wallet has 10, 10 BCH, but inside it, you have 10 addresses, each one that has one. Um, and so let's say you want to uh, spend, you want to, you want to send a 10th of a, of a Bitcoin cash to uh, 10 different people. Um, well, wait a second. Let's say you want to send, um, let's say you want to send a 20th of a Bitcoin cash to, to 20 different people Well, you're going to, you, you would run into, so each, so basically what happens is you spend, uh, one of your UTXOs and you break off a little piece of it and you send it to each person. And then, you know, the change comes back to your wallet. So basically if you accumulate, uh, currently, if you accumulate 50 payments out of one UTXO, one of those addresses, uh, in a space of, say, less than 10 minutes, right, between blocks, um, then right now you'll get, you won't be able to spend anymore from that UTXO. You're going to get, you're going to get kind of paused there. You know, you're going to get an error message saying, you know, wait for a block to happen. Wait for, wait for the current transactions to get processed. And basically that, that is a, that slows down a lot of applications for things like tipping, uh, for meetups, you know, let's say, uh, you know, in some situations, you know, when you're going shopping, like, you know, you're going to buy something here, then you buy something over there. And so that's kind of a downer, right? It kind of slows down the ability to spend money. But so with this change, it's going to work the way it really should, which is there's going to be no limits. You're going to be able to spend, um, make as many payments out of that UTXO, uh, out of that address as you want, no matter whether a block comes to confirm it or not. And it's, it's secure on Bitcoin Cash, unlike on Bitcoin BTC, 
because on Bitcoin BTC, there's a feature called RBF replaced by fee. And basically it enables if you can send a transaction on BTC. And if you misjudge the transaction fee, if you pay too little and your transaction gets stuck, then you can basically recall that transaction uh, and try again with a higher fee. That's called RBF and it's on BTC. But essentially what that, that permits you to do is to double spend, which is the whole thing yeah. that the, the great insight behind uh, you know, Bitcoin uh, that it added to like hash cash and the things that came before it. So on Bitcoin cash, we did not add that foolish feature that doesn't that's that's not there. And also um, the developers have come up with something called double spend proofs, uh, which are pretty cool. They kept cryptogra- cryptographically verifies in just about real time. Um, that, uh, you know, if a transaction is a double spend, you know, somebody's trying to spend exactly the same uh, UTXO, uh, you know, it's the same coin at the same time in two places, um, then the, uh, the receivers get an alert. And that, you know, so the, the, the use case here is, you know, let's say somebody uh, goes to a merchant and they're going to buy like a, like a TV set for 500 bucks. And they're like, yeah, I'm going to try to double spend this and get this TV for free. Right. And so at the same time that they send, that they pay the merchant, they also, you know, um, via subterfuge send another transaction that is basically the same one, but instead of paying the merchant, it pays it back to themselves. And um, so that, 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 that doesn't really work on Bitcoin Cash uh, due to a bunch of reasons, but now it's gonna be. It's not only not gonna work, but it's gonna give a, a warning to the merchant saying that ah, this person's trying to double spend. He's trying to pull some funny business, so don't give him the TV yet until you get a tr- uh, confirmation on the transaction. Um, so that's that's really interesting. That's really a uh, a great benefit for uh, merchants of all kind. Also, um, op return. So op returns are kind of like fields in a database kind of a thing, you know, for transactions uh, on Bitcoin Cash. And so the, the, the op return space, which is basically, it's like a database field kind of. Right now it's limited to like 220 bytes, which is pretty small. So basically 220 bytes of data you can stick in there. Um, that's going to be uh, increased. I think there's going to be multiple op returns now. Basically, what that enables is uh, people can develop applications that store uh, data in, in those, those fields, in those op returns. It's basically like a hash. Uh, so it's like a fingerprint of data. And, and that enables, you know, the data can be stored elsewhere, but that en- enables like a sanity check to ensure, to ensure that the data that they show you from outside uh, matches that hash, you know, which means that it hasn't been tampered with. And that, that makes possible a whole range of, of different uh, applications that can be made uh, essentially censorship resistant, um, you know, using the Bitcoin Cash blockchain. Yeah, it sounds great. Um, the the double spend issue, uh, I absolutely love. If, if anyone's opened up a business, um, and okay, so my personal experience is, is I, I was selling like um, survival gear and stuff, and so what happened was was I would have people buy 
buy a product from me, then they would go to um, they would go to the bank and say that they haven't received it. Hmm. And I would go to the bank and say, Hey, look, like this is the tracking number. Like they have received it. Sometimes I win and, and, and sometimes I'd lose, even though I'd prevent all, all the, the evidence to them that, Hey, I did, I did send this item to them. And, um, and a lot of times what, what would end up happening is, is that the, the bank would take that money out of my account and give it back to them. So I would, I would not only lose the product, but I would lose, um, I would lose, I would lose, basically lose twice because I'd lose, I'd lose the money that they sent me and the product. So it's, yeah. um, you know, and that's one, one of the things I love about, you know, cryptocurrency or, or Bitcoin cash is that they, that there's no way for that to happen. Once the merchant has it, it's, it's good. And, and, you know, I'd say 99.9% of the time, um, a merchant doesn't really want to screw over a customer because when they do that, they won't get return customers, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe like some places like, uh, there's some, some merchants overseas that I, that I wouldn't really shop with. Um, uh, but, um, but yeah, for, for the most part, I, I, I really think that everyone's just trying to, um, not only do good by, by other people, but they're also trying to, uh, to take care of themselves and their families. Um, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, uh, you're having something like the, like the platform can kind of handle stuff like that, like returns and everything too. Right. So we have rating systems, you know, cause obviously if, you know, the, if you were actually not sending the stuff, right, then that, that'd be a problem. But that's something the platform can handle. The platform can handle returns or have contracts on how that kind of stuff is done. We really don't need the banks making the call on whether or not, you know, that product got there or not, you know, or how that kind of stuff is handled. So, yeah, it's really frustrating when, you know, Bank of America is just taking your money. Yeah, you know, and, you know, for one, one useful tool in these situations is escrow. Like, if you look at local.bitcoin.com, that's a site for people to buy and sell uh, Bitcoin Cash. And it has an escrow mechanism, you know? And so, like, if, um, you know, if I'm going to sell, uh, I put my, my Bitcoin Cash into some uh, escrow to show that I, I really have it, you know? It's, and it's really there, you know? And it's available. Um, and, but, yeah, I mean, the banks, the credit cards, they, they, I don't know. They don't have a problem with screwing over merchants. I mean, I, I guess the, the customer is more important to them. But, you know, now we have tools like Bitcoin Cash and merchants can, you know, say, well, I prefer that you you pay with Bitcoin Cash because, you know, at least then I know that when I'm paid, I'm really paid, you know. And, you know, mm-hmm. you can buy Bitcoin Cash in a bunch of different places. So many places, Coinbase, local.bitcoin.com. I mean, everywhere, you know, so it's pretty easy to get. Um, I set the way for a second, so hopefully you guys didn't go over this while I was gone, but um, can you tell me at all about the, um, I, I didn't even know this until recently that I guess uh, BCH does a fork twice a year um, just because, or, or whatever. I don't know why they do that. Can you maybe give me a brief, like, like, like what's going on? And then I guess a follow-up, do I have to do anything on my end to make sure that I don't lose any BCH? So yeah, so that's um, the the twice yearly um, hard fork or network upgrade, 
And um, so basically we're moving to an annual schedule. What this permits us to do is to add new features to the network, you know, like um, that just that just add, you know, make it things better for consumers, for merchants, um, you know, all different kinds of things. Um, okay, but basically, so just the time you get some upgrades in. Yeah. So basically, you know, unless you run a Bitcoin Cash full node, uh, what you know for mining or you know for any other uh, reason you don't really have to worry about it um, because, you know, you, you know, your coins are going to be fine. Okay. That's easy enough. Yeah. And there's no, like last time this happened in November, uh, there was a network split and the people who were splitting off didn't put in replay protection. Um, so that, that caught, that was, that was messy. Right. Um, but nothing like that is happening uh, now. So okay. I, I don't I don't anticipate any difficulties, really, like the, the exchanges, the miners, uh, some businesses, they'll they're probably already upgrading to the latest version of uh, Bitcoin Cash Node, which you can get at Bitcoin Cash Node dot uh, org. And and they're going to be all set. They're going to be all set for the upgrade. And it's not going to be a big deal at all. Okay, so I shouldn't even like notice it. Like I wouldn't even know anything's going on if I didn't know. Yeah, I, I, I don't okay. I don't I don't see why. Yeah, we would notice it. Um, okay, cool. You know, I, I don't run a full node myself. I'm not a miner. Um, so my you know, I, my, my wallets and everything, I, I have the full expectation they're going to work normally. Well, yeah, I feel like um, I feel like the Bitcoin cash community is kind of tired of uh, of of these splits, especially for I think the uh, the BSV split was pretty pretty small thing that they wanted um, to do differently and uh, kind of unnecessary. And then, and then I feel like the, um, they, they be, the ABC split was kind of, um, I don't know. I, I, I personally didn't want to um, disincentivize, uh, uh, you know, miners from wanting to mine Bitcoin cash and, and secure the network, but, uh, but uh, yeah, wh what are your thoughts on, on, on that? Well, it's important to understand there, there are basically three terms at play in this, this context. One is uh, soft fork, one is hard fork, and one is like network split. So the BSV and uh, BCHA situations were uh, network splits and they involved hard forks uh, because um you know they they broke off with their own chains. Uh, now these the network upgrade of May fifteenth. There's no anticipated network split because yeah. everybody's happy and working together quite well. Um, but there will be a hard fork because basically what will happen is that um, the uh, the clients the the software the full node software from uh that's running now or that what that is compatible now will no longer be compatible uh with the the main chain uh you know the the main net uh the chain the bitcoin cash blockchain after uh may 15th and that's in order to uh to make these upgrades happen because they 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 require changes uh that are not 
Um, I don't think it's not really feasible for them to happen in a soft fork. Soft forks are um, they're they're a little bit weird because they they enable some backward compatibility, but they're also a little bit sneaky. <laughs> um, so th those are the three main terms to be aware of in this in this situation. I've always heard the term like um, hard forks are voluntary and uh, soft forks are are like man mandatory. Is that kind of a correct, correct way of seeing it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So when there's a hard fork, uh, basically the current chain um, remains, but a new chain is made and then, which is a copy, you know, it's the same, it's the same thing, but, um, but, the, but basically two chains now exist. It's just that we all agree to leave behind the old chain and we agree to move forward with the new chain, which is it's just a copy of the old one anyway, but it has a few changes. Um, and so, you know, in that sense, you know, like, let's say all of a sudden, you know, somebody was like, oh, I don't, I don't want there to be the removal of this unconfirmed transaction chain transaction limit. I'm going to continue with the the old Bitcoin cash fork and I'm going to call that big the old Bitcoin cash chain on May 15th. And I'm going to call that Bitcoin cash classic. Well, they could do that if they wanted, but the thing is that the ecosystem is voluntarily in consensus that they're going to abandon that so that we can get the benefits of the, the new software. Uh, whereas a soft fork, yeah, is a little bit more sneaky um, because it's, it's backwards compatible. But it starts, you know, it starts doing things a little differently, adding uh, some changes. Uh, for example, the Bitcoin BTC uh, ecosystem is on the verge, I think, of quite a bit of controversy with uh, the Taproot um, soft uh, fork, uh, which is uh, kind of brewing right now. All right, let's take a quick second to shout out Agorist Acre Seeds. Agoristacres.com stocks a variety of seeds for your garden or homestead. They also have really cool packaging instead of those silly paper envelopes. Buy seeds with crypto, support the counter economy, and become self-sustaining today. Agoristacres offers fast shipping so you can get started right away. Make sure you use code NEXUS10 at the checkout for 10% off of your orders. Also, they will donate a portion of the sale to Agoris Nexus, helping to bring you all the great content you expect. And all right, let's get on with it. Okay. Um, what can you tell me about smart BCH? Because I'm, I've been hearing a lot about it, but, uh, but yeah, I, I, I feel like I need to know more. Is there? Yeah. So smart BCH is pretty cool. Um, it's a project that uh, I believe uh, that Jihan Wu is involved with it. Jihan is a big, big name in Bitcoin cash. Yeah. Uh, Chinese, Chinese miner. Yeah. yeah. He, uh, and you know, also he, he's a big name in BTC, of course, since forever. Um, he recently sold his shares in Bitmain, which uh, was a huge uh, Bitcoin uh, company. Um, so smart BCH is a side chain uh, to Bitcoin cash. Basically it's a copy of Ethereum. But starting over uh, from uh, from scratch, you know, it's not copying the Ethereum chain, but it's copying the, the Ethereum software. Um, so 
everything that you know all the dapps um all you know web3 api stuff uh ethereum virtual machine all that stuff is going to be uh on uh the smart bch sidechain and so like if you look at you know ethereum like they have dozens of different token projects and stable coins you know they have maker die usdc whatever uh, but it has the the base currency of the system is uh, is ETH, right? But for smart BCH, it's because it's a side chain of BCH. The base uh, unit of uh, currency in the system is Bitcoin Cash. Um, so this is going to create new demand uh, for Bitcoin Cash. It's going to interact with the main chain. Um, so th this is really exciting. You know, everything that can be done on um, on Ethereum is going to be able to be done uh, on this uh, Bitcoin Cash sidechain. And there's a testnet. A testnet just came out for it recently. Cool. cool. Yeah, I'm I'm excited uh, about everything Bitcoin Cash is um, is doing. I, I feel like I feel like they're going to be the Ethereum that that you can actually transact with because because <laughs> the, the fees on Ethereum right now I mean let's you know we can't really sugarcoat it it's uh they're they're just horrible um, do yep. you, do you feel like that's kind of the you know the smart contracts and the um, the DeFi and stuff do you feel like that that's where we're headed. Well, yeah, definitely. I mean, this is a tremendous opportunity for um, you know every every project uh, that you know requires smart contract capabilities to get into the BCH ecosystem and to benefit from uh, the network effect of Bitcoin Cash, the relationships, all the other projects, all the people we're, we are onboarding, and without the crazy, crazy uh, fees of Ethereum. Um, you know, I'm looking at average transaction fees on ETH right now are uh, nearly 13 uh, USD. And that really, that rules out so many, um, so many use cases, you know, it makes it so hard uh, for so many people, you know, it's another, it's just like with BTC coin, you know, it's, it only works for the people who are, who are already rich. <laughs> it's not really helping new people, you know. And that's also why a lot of um, ETH projects have already, uh, you know, hedged their bets by getting set up with BCH SLP tokens, uh, which are, uh, you know, just very simple tokens. The ecosystem is looking at, at upgrading those to full uh, minor validated tokens in the future. And also other, other platforms that are less expensive. I mean, there are so many... Um, you know, uh, chains now. There's Binance Smart Chain. There, there, there's Solana. There's Avalanche. Uh, I mean, it's just a super long list of ETH clones at this point. But not all of them have the network effect of Bitcoin Cash, which I think is why it's going to be so valuable for people to to set up shop on uh, Smart BCH. Yeah, I think, man, I just I see the um, I see the market cap of Doge, right? And it's hmm. uh, it's like uh, well, let me see where it's at exactly. Last time I checked, it was like eighty billion or something. Um, yeah, it's seventy six billion now. So, <laughs> <laughs> and and this is a a coin that has like 
pretty much no development team is i am i correct on that yeah i mean as far as i know i haven't seen anything come out of there in years yeah like at least two years and um so you know and and then you've got this uh you know this scrappy underdog that um that has a great community it has uh great developers uh it has passionate people who are onboarding uh, the most brick and mortar locations. I think it's number one mm-hmm. in in Australia, and um, there's a couple European countries where you can just live off Bitcoin Cash, which is super cool. I, for, I forget the one that um, that Roger Ver mentions, but uh, Slovenia maybe. Yeah, yeah, Slovenia. Yeah, mm. and uh, so yeah, it's just super great. And to, to see a, a project like Doge. Uh, be over have over three times the amount of market cap that Bitcoin Bitcoin Cash has. Um, I just see huge upside for for you know Bitcoin Cash. Not not financial advice, of course, but um, but yeah, it's a uh, it's it's not exactly a uh, rational market, but um, yeah. I I think that if you do if you keep continuing to do the correct things that, uh, that, that eventually you will be rewarded. What, um, you know, do you see Bitcoin cash being understated or, or, or underestimated? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, there's so many teams of Bitcoin cash um, doing the real hard work both in in technical um on technical things and on onboarding people you know uh which are really the two key you know kind of down in the trenches functions um but the thing is that bitcoin cash doesn't have many marketers and it doesn't have that much marketing happening um i'm one of a very small handful of people who you know tends to do marketing in Bitcoin Cash. I mean, they're really very few. And so um, also, you know, you take a coin like uh, Cardano or Tron, they have, you know, one guy up there, Justin or Charles. And, you know, it's very easy to be like, okay, you know, um, this guy, it's one guy. I believe in that guy. He, you know, I feel good about him. Bam, I'm going to buy, right? But Bitcoin Cash doesn't really have that. I mean, we have Roger. Roger is awesome. Um, but Roger is not as prominent, uh, perhaps, as he used to be. And, um, you know, he, he, he has, like, pe- some people think, oh, Bitcoin Cash, Roger decides what happens there. He's the CEO of Bitcoin Cash. But he's not, actually. In fact, sometimes he has to go onto RBTC and be like, guys, we got to do this. Come on. <laughs> you know, use the bully pulpit. Um, so we do, you know. And that's because Bitcoin Cash is decentralized, right? It's, it's you know, like I talk to people sometimes like, oh, this project is interesting tech and uh, this project is directed at an interesting use case, you know, but what's always going through my mind is, well, you know, are you sure they, like a MySQL da- database wouldn't be doing a better job for that application? You know, why does it, why does it need a blockchain? And really how, how much 
how much decentralization is there behind it? You know, if it tries to do something controversial, is it going to be able to withstand the attempts to censor it? You know, but Bitcoin Cash understands that because people in Bitcoin Cash have got that paradigm uh, shift that we were talking about earlier. Censorship resistant resistance is so essential because if if sent if centralized authorities if third parties can come in here and be like no you got it if you want to use this you gotta trust me and that means you got to do what i'm telling you well then that that defeats the whole purpose there's no purpose to that that's not bitcoin anymore you know so bitcoin cash is the 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 best coin that i see uh with the most network effect that has the greatest potential to ultimately prove to be censorship resistant you know in the face of nation state uh, attacks to subvert it and um yeah, so I forget where I was going with that. But you mentioned Dogecoin. Um, <laughs> I think I've said, I've said this to other people in Bitcoin Cash. You know, Dogecoin has a narrative. It has an element of fun. You know, it's it's you know, it's it's like it's about a meme dog who's like, wow, cool. You know, and uh, I think, you know, Elon Musk talks about it and newbies are like, oh, OK, I understand this coin, you know, like. Binance, what's that? Is that finance? What is that? Ethereum, that sounds like pretty woo-woo science fiction, you know. Bitcoin, that price is too nuts. What's going on here, you know? And so people are like, oh, Doge, Doge. Oh, I know that meme, you know, much wow. I, I, I'll get into that. You know, Elon Musk says it's good, you know. Whereas the narrative for Bitcoin Cash is muddled. It's, it's muddled, actually. Because also the first question, you know, any, everybody has is, huh, what's the difference between that and Bitcoin BTC, you know, and then and then that that gets messy. That's get that gets messy because the BTC people, th there's a huge uh, there's a big lie. You know, there's a big lie that's been told uh, about Bitcoin BTC and unraveling that lie. The big lies is hard. That's hard work and it takes time. Yeah, I almost feel like um, we should just like rename it, but, uh, or, you know, had a completely different name from the start. But, um, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, there's, I don't, I guess there's not really a, a solution on that because, yeah, that's the first thing I get to is, well, what's the difference between that and, and BTC? And, um, when you have to try to explain it from the start like that, it's um, because the first thing I want to say is, hey, this is this is peer to peer money for the world. We want everyone to be able to participate, and um, and you know, then they've got questions about the hard fork and uh, you know the difference between differences between Bitcoin, and uh, yeah, it it, it kind of takes away something. Um, yep, it does. It takes away momentum and also the whole BSV thing, the whole BCHA thing, you know, there has been due to, due to the fact that there is not a really strong personality at the center of it due to the decentralized nature, due to the kind of laid back laissez-faire attitude of the people involved, which is, I'm not, I'm not criticizing them at all. I, I think it's pretty cool, but due to that, I think also the project has been vulnerable to people who want to come in and, and, and wreak some havoc, you know, Craig Wright and, and the other people at BSV, they, they wreaked some havoc, you know, 
uh, Amory Seche, Anthony Zegers, they wreaked some havoc. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, that that has taken away some momentum as well. It's given BCH a little bit of bad press. And, um, you know, I think people people in BCH want to make sure that that, that that can't happen again. Yeah, absolutely. I think we're kind of over the splits, um, you know, knock on wood. Uh, I think everybody just wants to um, cooperate and, and work together and, and do what's best for the community. And, um, yeah. you know, I see I definitely see a bright future ahead. And I, I feel like um, I feel like it's just so, you know, I, I feel like the potential is is, is there. Um, oh, it absolutely is. And yeah. uh, you know, the, the the price increase has been, uh, you know, so great for the community. I mean, so well-deserved. So, uh, you know, yeah. hats off to the, the Bitcoin Cash community. And, um, you know, I, I hope that there's more price increases to come. I mean, the thing that people don't realize is that when we have huge price increases like this, we've got a lot of people – in Venezuela, in in African countries, and in all kinds of rural, poor communities um, that hold Bitcoin Cash. And when there's mm-hmm. big price increases like this for Bitcoin Cash, it helps a lot of people. Yeah. And, and the reason why these people hold Bitcoin Cash is because they can afford the the you know, 10th or 20th of a penny or whatever that's less than a penny fee is at the time, they can afford that. So, um, and also because of noise.cash, which is a really cool place to, to pick up some Bitcoin cash. Yeah. Go into noise.cash if, if you could for us. Yeah. So noise.cash is a uh, kind of a Twitter clone. Um, and basically it has, I think it launched or January of this year or late last year. And I think the user count is up around 60,000 now. Um, basically it's, uh, you know, you can do your posts and whatnot with images and stuff. And, uh, the site gives you free tips, um, which you can distribute to other people and other people distribute to you. And so, um, you know, when it first started, I saw some people in the developing world who really, uh, you know, put their nose to the grindstone uh, with it. And they were earning a few hundred bucks a month from it. Um, Probably, I don't know if that's still feasible, but uh, the site is well funded. Uh, There is a an investor uh, by the name of uh, Mark Demisel, who has uh, endowed the site, uh, the project with, I think, probably one to two million dollars worth of bch um so that's that's a major driver of you know onboarding uh new people and you know i made the uh road to mass adoption uh bch documentary earlier this year and what you said is absolutely true you know uh, like i have video in there of um bch community members in uh bangladesh philippines venezuela uh, India, all, you know, all over the world showing off their wallets, you know, the Bitcoin cash that they've managed to earn, uh, you know, accumulate or buy. And, um, you know, the wallets were like, you know, between five and a couple hundred dollars. Then in the, you know, I, I think the price has probably tripled, uh, you know, the exchange rate, if you will, has tripled since then, you know, and that that makes a big difference because, those people can then uh, invest in their education. 
uh, you know, the decisions of those people, the decisions of like the hundreds of merchants that we've uh, affiliated in Venezuela just in the last few months to take just one of many examples. You know, we, we, we validated uh, the decisions of all of those people to pay attention to Bitcoin Cash. You know, now they're like, damn, you know, now I can buy more stuff, you know, and, and still I can buy stuff, more stuff, and I can still keep some of my Bitcoin Cash for the future, you know. Um, and that, that's important. You know, I, I don't, I try not to worry too much about, you know, hodling and, um, you know, what, what the exchange rate is, but, um, but price absolutely matters. You know, it, it absolutely matters because it's, it's basically the distillation of everything, you know, everything people, all the narratives people say, and, you know, who believes them and how much, and, you know, what actions are they taking as a result of that? And bam, it all boils down to, um, to the price yeah absolutely um man uh yeah thank you so much for coming on george uh, you, always you know, my pleasure there was a uh during the um the anniversary of bitcoin cash you had like a uh just like a a great get together with a bunch of these people who are trying to spread mass adoption. Do you plan on doing it? Anything like that again? Cause I thought that was, uh, I thought that was amazing. I, I, I actually tuned in a little bit for it live. Oh, cool. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Last August, I think it was August 1st, maybe, or August 15th. I'm not sure. Of last year I did a 17 and a half hour live stream. It was pretty nuts. Uh, like people from across BCH and uh, Hyobi, Binance. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I'll do that again or not. I was pretty exhausted at the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> but if people want me to, you know, let me know and I, and I will do it again. Yeah, I do. I don't, you know, I, I don't, uh, I don't want to kill you and make you do 17 hours, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, a, a good little run would be cool. Um, you know, just to show people like, hey, there is, you know, there is this huge community out there. Um, I just think it's, you know, that alone is just fascinating to see. But, uh, but yeah, we really appreciate all your hard work on Bitcoin Cash. Um, you know, as I appreciate a- what you guys do. And it's such a pleasure to be able to talk to a couple of guys who get it, you know, because I, I don't I don't have that opportunity uh, every day. You know, I have to talk to a lot of people who don't get it. <laughs> yeah, I feel you. <laughs> yeah, it's very nice. Um, so I, I really appreciate the, the work that you do with the um, uh, with the BCH adoption stuff because that's one of the things that I really like to, I don't want to say harp on, but it's like, you know, we got to be able to make this stuff usable and like, you know, easy and out there and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I just I just love that. You, know, you guys put so much work and, you know, into and having that happen and having merchants adopt, adopt it. Um, is there anything exciting or anything you might want to going on there? You might want to let us in on real quick or. Uh, well, we're about to launch a Bitcoin agents, Venezuela uh, program to onboard uh, lots of new people to Bitcoin cash. Um, that's going to, that's starting pretty soon. Uh, we aim to onboard at least about 10,000 over the next uh, two or three months. Um, and we cool. may put up a Bitcoin cash billboard in Caracas. Uh, we're also got a team starting up in uh, Ibadan, uh, Nigeria, which is the third largest city of Nigeria, metro area of about 6 million people. Um, and I've got about uh, 60 uh, BCH uh, tutorials. 
uh, specifically for noobs, you know, newbies, so that they can get up Good. to speed fast. Uh, and they, they should be coming out over the next uh, three, three to four months or so. Very cool, man. Thanks. Well, is there, uh, is there anything you want to tell the people? Um, any new projects that you got coming up or anything like that? Um, yeah, just Bitcoin Agents Venezuela. And uh, another big thing in Bitcoin Cash is group tokenization from Bitcoin Unlimited. That's looking pretty promising. Uh, with that, we're going to have minor validated tokens. So uh, tokens will be uh, more fully featured. Um, you know, it's compat uh, similar, uh, comparable to like what you can do with tokens on on a chain, like for example, Cardano, um, and uh, prediction markets. Uh, you know, Jason Dreisner is a developer, and he's working on prediction markets for uh, Bitcoin Cash. There's an interview uh, that I did with him about that on the Bitcoin Cash site uh, YouTube channel. And I uh, definitely recommend that because the implications of prediction markets for, uh, for liberty, for uh, egalitarianism across the globe, um, you know, I mean, assassination markets, you know, that, that's an interesting topic in the, in the liberty space. And they're, they're, they're basically a prediction market. Um, so um, that, that's, that's a bigger project for Bitcoin Cash. I'm not sure when that'll come. Um, but, um, but that's definitely, uh, on, on the plate. Cool. What, uh, what exactly are prediction markets? Um, if you could go through that for us real quick. So a prediction market is basically kind of, um, it's not terribly different from betting, you know? So in the classical example of, uh, assassination markets, which is a bit of a delicate subject, but I think it's, it's very relevant, um, to agorists is, someone said you know like they open a market for for assassinations and they say uh you know who who do you think is going to get assassinated and when you know and so somebody says well i think uh you know xyz government uh you know son of a gun is gonna die on you know 15th june and then somebody else says another date right and so they all bet on it and um you know some somebody could win um, and so in the assassination markets uh, example, you know, the assassin would bet his date and then he would make it happen on that date. And that would be a way for him to get paid, uh, you know, cause he would win that bet. Uh, right. And so he would, that would be a way for the, uh, the assassin to get paid based on market demand. You know, if there's, there's some bureaucrat that, that needs to go and he won't go via any other way, um, you know. But in the wider in the wider spec world, it's a way to have derivatives um, that um, that really anybody can access. You know, like today, you know, a big wealth generator over the last couple of years has been like Tesla stock. You know, people are like damn buy that Tesla, and then you know it, it goes up three times or whatever. I don't know. I don't follow it that closely. So that's a big wealth generator or GameStop. You know. But you take people in, in the developing world, they can't access that kind of stuff. They can't access it. So they, they can't save, they can't invest. You know, and, and more complex topics are, for example, people could say, you know, I expect the price of uh, corn to be X on, you know, the 1st of January, 2022, you know? And so, that, and that's, so that's a tool, not just for betting, but also for hedging, you know? Because maybe 
you know, I don't, I'm not really deep into the whole finance thing, but maybe somebody uh, is going to buy a contract uh, on corn. You know, they're, they're, gonna, they're actually going to take delivery of corn. You know, maybe they have the, a business, you know, and so maybe they want to, uh, you know, insure themselves against some, you know, volatile price action there. So they can uh, create this derivative, essentially a bet um, that would, you know, give so they would have like both sides of the trade, you know. So if it, if it went down, they would benefit over here. And if it went up, they would benefit over here. Um, so pre I, prediction, I'm not capturing the whole uh, vision behind prediction markets. Uh, the interview with Jason on my channel will definitely do that. He explains it way better than I do. But it's it's a it's an enormous, enormous uh, tool uh, for for liberty and prosperity across the globe. And also just for better decision making, you know, because let's say somebody, let's say, you know, a company is deciding, um, trying to decide, uh, you know, okay, so th this year, are people going to want uh, red tennis shoes or blue tennis shoes, you know, so they can check with the prediction market and harness the wisdom of crowds, essentially, and see where people put their money, you know, which is going to sell more this year, you know, blue tennis sneakers or red tennis sneakers, you know um it has so many yeah. applications yeah yeah that's interesting for sure man you've just got such great insight um i definitely want to have you on in the next couple months if uh i'm if, always if happy okay. to come on and talk to you guys absolutely hell yeah well it's hell great, yeah. great honor um Honor's do you have mine do you have a a, a quote dag uh no <laughs> one of these days i'll learn to be more on the ball right yeah no yeah I, uh, I i always forget a quote um do you have a quote uh george <laughs> a quote like just any a, kind of quote yeah, just a quote you like yeah did we sign off on a quote just a oh, nice i quote. have tons of quotes that i like um cool. I, i've actually collected them for decades um Let's see. Okay, here's a stoic quote I kind of like uh, from Epictetus. Let death and exile and all other, all other things which appear terrible be daily before your eyes, but death chiefly, and you will never entertain any abject thought nor too eagerly covet anything. Um, and I, I think, you know, especially people who are activists, who speak out, who are trying to build um things that go against the prevailing powers that be need you know will really benefit from stoicism because um you know like i know some people who are who were involved in the recent um protests in colombia here in colombia and and right now they're scared they're scared and um and they're telling me about other people even more scared than them who took video uh you know of of police abuses and whatnot and now we're deleting it because they're scared that, they're, you know, somebody's going to show up in the middle of the night. But the fact is that, you know, if we want a better world now, now is the time. Now is the time to show courage and to push forward. And, you know, and, you know, I, I, I it's valuable. You know, I think this is this is, um, you know, very enduring wisdom. You know, just just keep in front of you the worst case scenario and be comfortable with that, you know, because we got to push on. Yeah, that that's a, yeah. that's a great quote. Deep. Um, of course, next is out. <laughs>